Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to talk about how families move forward. And I want to be really clear that this applies to all kinds of families, whether you're a traditional nuclear family or whether you're a family that's uh, got multiple parents or whether you're a single parent family, it's about families. What makes families thrive? What makes them move forward? What holds them together? What's the engine that drives them? And how do they measure where they're going? These are the things we're going to talk about today. And it's super important because families tend to forget these things. They get lost in the day-to-day -day operation. So this is what I would call like the this is like the 300 foot, 10,000 foot view of family. And when you're looking at your family, you wanna have not only, you know, is everyone healthy, my, my kids okay, but you wanna have the 10,000 foot view as well. So let's begin with the most basic component of family. The most basic component of really individuality in family is well being. Positive psych psychology studies show that. When certain components are in place, our sense of well-being or happiness is higher. Now, I'm not going to get into a discussion about whether well-being is the same thing as happiness, but let's just get that well-being means that we are under minimal stress and we're feeling healthy and strong, right? So if you're going to move forward as an individual or as a family, you need to be feeling healthy and strong. That's what we're calling well-being today. What are the components of well-being? Well, before I do that, let's just make sure we have all the components in place. So the first component is well-being. The second component we're going to talk about today is family glue, what holds a family together. The third component is going to be about what moves a family forward in life. And the fourth component is how do you measure whether you're moving where you want to move? All right, so back to this first component, well-being. For an individual, well-being is contingent on sleep, eating, exercising, challenging your mind, body, and spirit, basically taking care of your mind, body, and spirit in different ways. So there's all kinds of positive psychology studies that show that, for example, individuals who are part of a an outside organization, perhaps a spiritual group, have a higher sense of well-being, that individuals who have regular mindfulness, meditation, and prayer in their life have a higher sense of well-being, that people who eat well have a higher sense of well-being, people who exercise regularly, which I mentioned before, people who journal four times a week have a higher sense of well-being. And you can check all that out. Just Google positive psychology well-being, and you'll find like reams of scientific studies on what makes people have a sense of well-being, what makes them feel like they're grounded, like they have a foundation for moving forward in their lives. Now, the thing that's true for individuals is also true for families. The, the family is made up of the individual components. So first, the individual components need to be practicing well-being, practicing taking care of themselves. And then the family itself has certain things it needs to do in terms of well-being. The parents need to be first taking care of themselves and then taking care of the children. 
and the parents take the practices that they have in their own lives and ensure that the children have these practices in their lives as well. It's the role of the parent, duh, right? This is obvious stuff to make sure they know about food and health. And the problem we all encounter, and I'm now speaking as an experienced parent, is that life gets in the way with well-being. I mean, if we did all the practices that positive psychology tells us we, we could be doing, we might not have time for work and family. And so the, it's a constant balancing act. So as an individual, we find ourselves struggling with work-life balance. And then that transfers over to our, our relationship when we get married, all of a sudden we've got a partner and theoretic, theoretically having a partner in our lives, we should be better equipped to balance things, except now we've got another relationship to nurture that marital relationship. I'm not even talking about children yet. That marital relationship requires a certain amount of energy and input to be constantly moving forward. In fact, a lot of people move to divorce because they stop feeding that marital relationship. And then children come in to the picture and it takes a ton of energy to move those children forward. Uh, and if, if the marriage does happen to end or if the children are not born in a married situation and it's a more extended family, then the lines of communication get stretched. Other things that contribute to the sense of well-being is, is this a co-parenting relationship or a parallel parenting relationship? And so co-parenting is when two people are on the same page about what they want for their children, what they consider to be healthy for their children and their family, and they act in accordance either in their separate households or in the same household. A parallel parenting situation is one in which there is disagreement between the parents. And so one parent is feeding their children oranges and apples and uh, multi multiple grains, and the other parent is feeding them Doritos and, and chips and hot dogs and pizza all the time. Not that those things on their own are bad. It's just like, if you're doing it all the time, not so good, right? Like who doesn't like a good Dorito or a good piece of pizza? But you wanna make sure that you've got apples and oranges and all that good stuff. Cause if you just live that way, it's not as good for your body. Your sense of well-being goes down. So you can have that parallel parenting situation in separate households or under one roof. And I've worked with plenty of couples who are living parallel parenting under the same roof, just so you know that that's possible. And it is not unusual for couples, in fact, when they have children to move into this sort of parallel lives stance uh, and with that parallel parenting where they're teaching their children even different sets of values. And that brings us to component two of the family, which is what are the internal, like inside of ourselves or inside of our family and external structures that hold a family together. So clearly going back to that example, if you're parallel parenting, there's disunity and disharmony. If you're co-parenting, there's greater unity and greater harmony. And the basis for that is a shared value system. Values, what's interesting about values is two people can have the same values, but they can prioritize them 
differently. So you can really, one person can really believe that spirituality is super important and family connection is super important and wealth is super important. But the other person might believe that wealth is super important, family and connection is second and spirituality is third. And that being out of sync in priority can cause friction if it's not understood. Because it'll appear to one parent, the parent who are spirituality is the number one value, that the other parent is a materialist. And to the other parent who's got financial success as their number one priority, the other parent will appear to be ungrounded and disconnected from reality, even though they share the same values. So it's really important whether you're living apart or living together to understand what your values are and what your priorities are and get that your priori priorities, it is so rare that two people have their priorities exactly in sync, meaning exactly the same value, uh, exactly the same level of urgency or prioritization. It's not that unusual for two people to share the same values, however, particularly when they come from similar cultures and backgrounds. So one basis for family glue is values, right? These are internal things, values. Uh, another basis for internal, for internal structure is going to be a sense of where your family is in the world. Where are you in your uh, community? Where are you in relationship to your wider family? And also the wider family itself, your siblings, parents, cousins, uncles, aunts, those are structures that hold families together as well. If you look at a traditional marriage ceremony, for example, two people when they get married invite all their besties over in their family and theoretically all the people at that wedding are standing for that union. And theoretically, if that couple has problems, they should be able to call anyone who went to that wedding for help, which rarely happens, by the way. Most people think, oh, it's just a ceremony, but it's more than just a ceremony. The ceremony was created originally to show community support and backing for that family. So the structures, the external structures are just as important as the internal structure. The internal structures uh, could be principles, not just values. Uh, what are the principles that you live your life by? And what is a principle and why is it separate from a value? A principle might be a belief about how the world works like what goes around comes around is a principle or what you put out, you get back, which is really the same principle. And so if you believe that that's true, then your value becomes do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Your value becomes to treat people at least as well as you would treat yourself. And you, that value is derived from this principle that what you put out comes back. It's uh, an overarching sense that there's some kind of justice in the world, it, it, whether it's uh, social justice, like just that the functioning of the world is such that when you kick someone, you're gonna get kicked back, or that maybe there's a higher power that moderates that or whatever. Principles and values, internal, external, family. What else is external that helps families uh, function would be, I'd say schools, uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, religious groups, spiritual groups are external structures that are family glue. Anything that supports that family in staying together, anything that supports that family 
in having coherence. And again, I'm not talking about under the same roof together. I'm talking about functioning as a unit, whether people are living separately or apart or whether we're talking about a single parent or whatever. Other, other support, it might be support groups like 12 step programs could be a support group that helps families stay together. It could be therapists. It could be anything, anything that you can think of, any structure you can think of. And it's really important to have these things. And going back to the well-being component, part of well-being is connection to community. Part of well-being is giving and receiving support. So all that ties together. All right, third component. The third component is I'm wrestling with still. It's what is the family engine? So in the second component, component we've got values, principles. We might even have goals in the second component. Part of what holds our family together is we have a goal. Our goal might be that our kids are gonna to go to college or our goal might be to raise our kids and have them get married and have families of their own. Our goal might be that we're gonna create a foundation for our kid or our goal, we might have sub goals, milestones in those goals. Excuse me, that we're gonna to go to Disney, that we're gonna to go to Thailand, that we're going to go skiing once a year or whatever. Those are all parts, pieces of the same thing. That's section two, things that hold families together. Section three is what moves us forward, right? What drives the engine? So things that drive the en engine are work, all right? For uh, working is something that drives the engine forward because work generates income, work generates a sense of fulfillment, work is challenging and generates personal development or it could be managing the home. Someone has to manage the home. It could be that there's a stay-at-home dad, a stay-at-home mom, or it could be that dad is managing the home while mom works and dad works, and he's making sure that someone's there to drop the kids off and pick them up, or mom makes sure, or maybe they've divided up the jobs. But these, the management of the home, personal development, these are things that drive the engine, anything that makes sure that it's functioning. Who gets the food? Who cooks the food? Who prepares the food? Who cleans the house? Who buys the clothes? Who cleans the clothes? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are things that move it forward. It might also be that part of that is gonna be coaches or therapists again, because to some extent, in order to stay functional, we rely on outside that outside support system that we talked about in section two in the family glue to keep us moving also. They not only help us hold together, but those supports help us to move forward. They help us to make stuff happen. And all families generally have financial goals that they're reaching for in section two. And in section three, they're taking the action to hit those goals. If their goal is that their children should go to college, they're taking the action in section three to accumulate the funds that they need to do that, hopefully. Things that move the family forward, eating. Things that move the family forward, rest. Rest is really important. Part of section one, well-being, really needs to rest. Things that these are, well-being ties into the engine running well. So well-being is the equivalent of making sure that the engine's tuned up and ready to go. Uh, and it might be making sure that the right fuel is going into the engine. The engine is all the things we do to move the family forward. And that takes us to section four, which is 
the one that I think is most neglected by families. Section four is the dashboard or measuring whether your family is going where you want it to. And I think the reason why so many families fail or transform might be a better way to put it, is that they don't measure where their family is at and how it may or may not be progressing. And so what are the things that you need to measure? The starting point, as corny as this may sound, is when children are born within wedlock, those two people, and I say that because apparently 40% of children are born out of wedlock at this point in time, right now as I speak, but when children are born in wedlock, which still rec represents 60% of children born on the planet, the goals, the commitments, the promises that those parents make to each other are formative. So they, whatever their vows are, whatever their beliefs are about that union, that commitment, that, that covenant, if you will, that they're making, how they measure whether they're sticking to that and how they're doing with that is huge in the success of the relationship. Very often, what happens is when people get married, they're all in love and gaga. And the act of getting married is such a huge commitment that it changes both people irrevocably. Let me say that again. When two people get married, they change forever. Because what you're doing is you're saying to the other person, you're so important to me that I'm willing to jump through hoops I can't even imagine yet to raise children and live successfully with you. And when two people say that, they, when they make that commitment, they change in that moment. It's, they're, they've, they've made a, a commitment bigger than any commitment they've ever made in their lives. And by nature, when we make a commitment and we step into that commitment, we change. And the act of getting married is stepping into a commitment. So we change and guess what? The whole relationship changes and the falling in love thing drops off for one or both of them after a while and life gets very real and they get into the engine part of marriage, getting the kids to school, getting them back, feeding the family, paying the bills, you know, getting the bigger car, living in the right neighborhood, all that stuff. And they stop measuring their, how their commitment to one another is doing. They stop looking at, am I showing up in a loving way even when I'm tired and exhausted? Instead, what they look at is, you're not showing up in a loving way, you are a problem. In fact, that this is what happened. Look, I've been married for 21 years and I still slip into that mindset sometimes. And I go, wait a minute, why are you going to this place of measuring her and taking her inventory when that's not gonna help anything. That's just you being tired and exhausted and, and pushing off responsibility for your marriage onto someone else. So instead of looking at where are we, how far have we come, we've come so far together, how much further do we have to go to get where we wanna be? Instead of looking at that, I start finger pointing. And I think we all do that. So, but if we get our eyes on that prize, what is it that we dream together? When, you, when two people get together and get married, they have a shared vision for their family. They have an idea of 
where they want to live. They have an idea of where they want their children to, who they want, or not so much who, but what kind of children, what kind of lives they want for their children. They have an idea of the kind of quality time that they want to spend together. They have uh, even maybe even a vague idea of what their elder years, to, or empty nest years are going to look like together in the beginning, that all that's present. And what happens is as the family evolves, uh, they either drop the ball on their relationship to each other and end up living apart, or maybe they just discover that, they are, that there was something really missing in the first place and start living apart, whatever happens there. And then as they're living apart, it becomes harder and harder for them to stay focused on that shared vision for the children and for what what is it gonna look like when their children have children and all those things. And so they stop being able to measure. This is a very long-winded way of saying they stop being able to measure. So what are the measures? If you, <laughs> the measure has to do with vision and goals. And so it might be that you're raising your family in kind of a, I don't know, whatever shows up kind of way. In which case, you're more likely to be taken in a certain direction than to go where you want. And so my challenge to you would be, if, you, if, if what's missing in your life is section two, the goals, the vision, sit down and take some time to work on those goals and vision. If you have those goals and vision, start creating a promise board or a vision board or whatever you want to call it or talk about it. Um, talk about where are you going to be in your 30s? Where are you going to be in your 40s? Where are you going to be in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s? Assuming that you're in the best possible health. Talk about it and start measuring how much money do I need to be in this place? If where I want to be when I'm 70 years old is having a country house that my kids take their kids to and it's big enough for all of us to go to, how much money do I need and where is it going to be? What do they like doing? Do they like skiing? Do they like swimming? Do they want to be on the beach? Where do I want that house to be based on that plan? I need to be creating in the engine part. I'm generating the money and the conversation and the interest to move towards that. And in the measuring part, I'm seeing how much money have I put away? How much time have I spent looking at possible locations? How much time have I spent talking to my kids and my wife and my family about what they prefer? Is it the mountains? Is it the beach? Is it something in between? I'm, I, you need to be measuring, measuring, measuring. Part of measuring might be how much money have I put away for retirement? Part of measuring might be, what's my stock portfolio look like? Part of measuring might be, have I created that foundation that is going to support my grandchildren so that they don't ever have to worry about money and can do whatever they want in life? It's whatever you want it to be. Or part of measuring might be, have I created a not-for-profit to help families make it through crisis and move forward to their dreams yet. Is that something that, that I want? And if I have, what is that gonna look like? How big is it gonna be? Where's the funding gonna be? How's it gonna help people? Have the goal and then on your dashboard, you're measuring. You're measuring how much money over how much time. And if what's happening, what'll happen inevitably is there's gonna be missteps. Inevitably, something's gonna come up that's gonna slow you down and you're gonna go, oh my God, we're not making it. 
And what it, that dashboard allows you to do is it allows you to recalibrate. Now, what a lot of people do is they recalibrate their dream. I'm not suggesting that you do that. What I'm suggesting is you figure out where's the money gonna come from or how am I gonna make this work or who's not enrolled that needs to be enrolled, but have that dashboard, that way to measure your success in place and review it, review it every month, review it every week, review it until it's a part of who you are, until it's driving you. When you go to work and you're saying, I really need that raise, don't say, I really need it because I need to beat Sally. Say, I really need it because I've got a dream and I'm moving my family towards that dream. That, that dashboard, combined, that dream expressing your dashboard, that's gonna drive you to work harder. That's gonna drive you to show up in ways that maybe you're not used to showing up. That's gonna drive you to shift and change. All right, so those are the four components and I've done a lot of talking here. I am sure that while I've been talking, pieces of these components are missing in your lives. I have absolutely no doubt. And this is not a pitch to work with me. This is going to be a call to action for your family. The call to action for your family is there will be, starting February 28th, a large scale educational event for families. It's called the Family, or it's actually called Your Family Success Spring. It's a spring because springs move us forward. And it's spring because it's happening this spring. And at this time, when there's, the world is going through change like we've never seen before. As, as a planet, we're more on the same page than we've ever been before. As a planet, there's a huge shifts and things going on that are the, what kind of family conceive of. It is more important that we get clear about where we wanna go and what are the pieces that we need to have in place to get there so that we can shift and change and adjust to what's happening in the outside world to get where we want our families to be. This event is all about that. And it's gonna be loaded with speakers. It's gonna be loaded with information. Uh, it's awesome. You can find it on Eventbrite right now. I do not have a convenient bit.ly uh, bit.ly link for you yet. But if you go to Eventbrite and look for the Your Family Success Spring, you will find it. Or you can reach out to me at rich at richinrelationship.com and I will send you a link. That's all I have for today. Go forth and conquer. Move your family forward. Whatever your family looks like, whether you're together or apart, move your family forward and be successful.